Okay, guys, we're joined by Terry Flew, who's the Professor of Media Communications at the Queensland University of Technology, and he's currently chairing the National Classification Review um, with the Australian Law Reform Commission. Thanks for joining us, Terry. Okay, thank you, Laura. And Randy's also in the studio to help uh, help I, out with some questions. I've just jumped in because I'm very interested in this topic as well. Yes, you yeah, are. So I'll budge my way in. Yes. Um, now, first off, Terry, can you just start by telling us a little bit about your role with the ALRC and what you're doing with the current classification review? Okay, well, the uh, inquiry was announced by the Attorney-General, Robert McClelland, in uh, January 2011, and the terms of reference were put out for for consultation. This is the first major review of the whole classification and censorship scheme since, in fact, the ALRC undertook a review in 1991, which has formed the basis for the current system. I was uh, seconded from QUT to head the inquiry in April, that's a little bit unusual, uh, both in terms of bringing in someone from the outside rather than an already established commissioner to do so, mm-hmm. and also someone who has, if you like, more of a media background than a legal background. Uh, but I've got a terrific legal team working with me at the ALRC, so I feel we've got that covered. Uh, we put out an issues paper in late May. Uh, that paper generated a very large response, uh, 2,452 submissions, which is five times the size of the previous largest ALRC uh, inquiry, which wow. was into privacy, mm-hmm. undertaken in 2008. We know from the pattern of those submissions that a lot of them came from people with a particular interest in the classification of games. We saw a pattern of movement where the number of submissions went from 80, about 10 days out from the deadline, to over 1,000 within a week. <laughs> and the the vast bulk of those we could see had come from, a, if you like, a gamer's grapevine, right, which yes. uh, <laughs> may well have been a part of. Yes. And, uh, and so, so, of course, we have, you know, we have quite a lot of uh, information to draw on there. And we've uh, subsequently put out a discussion paper at the end of September, and we're looking for responses to that uh, to give you a sense of the framework. The issues paper raises mm-hmm. questions. The discussion paper puts out proposals, although we have asked a few questions as part of that. And the final report, which will be released in the um, January or February of next year, uh, will put out a series of recommendations that uh, go to the Minister to be uh, tabled in the Parliament. Okay. So, so it's fair to say then that the majority of submissions were from, from gamers in this regard? It's a little difficult to tell because people aren't, you know, required to tick a box yeah. that says yeah. gamer, Christian, mother of three, mm. you know, etc. Mm. Uh, about 90% of submissions came from individuals rather than organisations. Mm-hmm. Uh, of those, if you look at some of the, but if you look at some of the patterns around this and I presented on this at a forum at Macquarie University recently used, and we used the uh, Leximancer qualitative analysis software to do this. If you look at that pattern, uh, questions around games, R18 feature quite, and and the whole issue mm. of uh, whether R18 games should be refused classification features prominently. Now, important point to make, as many of your uh, listeners would be aware, between the uh, time at which the issues paper came out and the present uh, the Minister for Home Affairs and Justice, uh, Brendan O'Connor, reached agreement with the state, in principle agreement with the state and territory attorneys general, 
at the Standing Committee of Attorneys General meeting in July around the introduction of an R18 classification for games. Now, that would be going before the Parliament. I'm not sure if it's going mm-hmm. before the Parliament at this, at this session. You might want to check on that. Uh, but it's certainly the case that some sort of a proposal along mm-hmm. those lines is, yep. is in the works. And to be honest, it would had it not been, it would have been something that we would have recommended, not simply because mm. a lot of people asked for it. Yeah. Uh, there's an interesting question about how much yeah, you base yeah. your recommendations on what people asked for, uh, but because uh, the absence of such a classification creates some real problems in terms of the symmetry of the the framework across platforms. Um, do you think like the R18 issue helped to draw a lot of people's attention towards, uh, I guess, the classification system and the fact that it's a little bit broken? Do you think that that issue really helped to? to uh, yes, I do. Yes, very, yes, very. It uh, very much acted as a catalyst for thinking about a much much wider range of issues. The general point that came through in the submissions, the strong, the I think two strong points that came through in the submissions were. One, it's time to fundamentally rethink this whole exercise. And I dare say that uh, the driver of that is only, well, it's games to some degree, but it's the internet to a much bigger degree. Mm. Uh, and the other other point that our recommendations, a classification scheme should, where possible, be uh, platform neutral. So the idea of second-guessing that one type of medium may have more of an impact than another mm-hmm. is not a sound basis on which to be uh, developing, if you like, future-proof policy, particularly because we simply cannot anticipate what's down down the track and we need a framework that's sufficiently open to be adaptive to trends that are emerging. Yeah, I guess since it was 91 was the last mm. um, yeah. review mm. classification, it would have been hard to... You know, yeah. h- hard to forecast. You know, the, the diversity of content that you know online, the, the online world brings nowadays. Yeah? Oh, completely. I mean, one thing that absolutely could not have been foreseen at that time was uh, the the growth of user generated content. That was mm. absolutely not on the agenda at all. And interestingly, one of the root of many of the problems came from the idea that computer games would be something that kids would play. Therefore, an R18 classification wasn't appropriate because we were only talking about children anyway. Mm. And that, I think, is indicative of some of the risks of trying to, you know, Predict predict the future shape of of, of convergent media. Mm. Now that's an interesting point because you wrote a book um, in two thousand and five, didn't you, about um, games and uh, gaming culture in Australia, and, mm. and and so it's been a long time since then. How do you think that the Australian public has, um, I guess, changed its attitude towards gaming mm-hmm. and how gaming has kind of situated itself in the mainstream now? Mm-hmm. Well, as you'd be aware, uh, Jeff Brand at Bond yep. University has been doing. Uh, some work on this for a number of years. And, you know, the message that consistently comes out is that the average uh, average age of a gamer is uh, is higher than would have been anticipated. A mm-hmm. uh, lot more women play games than was certainly assumed. Uh, that um, game consoles uh, occupy a central space in family environments. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, that... You know the you know the the image of sort of the lone the lone gamer the lone teenage boy gamer in the bedroom, are mm. uh, always always a bit of a stereotype and one that's you know less and less borne out by the available information that we have on who plays games.
Okay. I guess one of the major proposals you're making in, in, in this um, when, when it comes to games is to um, have everything that's below MA15 be, I guess, indi- industry self-regulated. Mm. Can you talk a little bit about the rationale um, mm-hmm. uh, behind that proposal? And, and, you know, did you look at other markets to, um, to see how that worked? Mm, sure. Okay, the two major... Uh, systems worldwide are the PEGI system that operates mm-hmm. in the European Union mm-hmm. and the ESRB system in the United States. Now, the bulk of games are sold into a global market. Mm-hmm. So what we're considering there is the extent to which a framework can be developed that allows games distributors to take those classifications across and apply them in the Australian context. Now, we're looking, working through some of the detail mm. of that, and what, what we anticipate is that it won't be a matter of uh, government, you know, viewing each game to make a deliberation, but rather responsibility being devolved to the industry itself, subject to a code of practice that it does develop with the government regulator and where the regulator has the scope to intervene if the, the process goes awry. And the 15-plus threshold has been set there because this is where, you know, the most public debate seems to exist around... Around games, mm-hmm. it's 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 you know it's it's classically the territory of the first-person shooter mm. game, and uh, our view is that while the proposals would take about eighty percent of the work currently done by the classification board out of its out of its hands, uh, thereby uh, generating savings to the taxpayer and the scope to put resources elsewhere, uh, we are of the view at this stage that there's probably enough of a public interest in checking games at the MA15, R18 level to, for that, that part of the process to remain uh, the responsibility of the board. But, but not at M? Did you consider ever like uh, putting M as w- well as MA15? We into? are proposing replacing the M category with the more age-specific category mm-hmm. uh, that we're calling T13+, plus, T14+. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. okay. So yeah. how um so uh, taking the M category completely out of the classification yeah. for across all media? Across all media. And Retaining the guidelines but mm-hmm. um, having it at T13+, plus, which actually does map onto the PEGI and ESRB okay, systems. Because M at the moment is open, there's no age. Um, so it's MA15+, plus, but M is just uh, yeah. it's, a, it's an yeah. open case. So by, I guess by putting the age there, it's better. Um, like it makes more sense. Well, we found uh, particularly from parents who, mm. who submitted, and they are an important statement, stakeholder in the classification system, uh, a lot of confusion as to what yeah. M is yeah. and what's its relationship mm. to PG and what's its relationship to MA15+. Yeah. Uh, so we've delineated these categories more by age. So we're proposing PG become PG8+, mm-hmm. uh, that there be a new category T13+, although it's not a new category in that it retains the detail of what's currently in the M category, and that MA15+, uh, be changed from mature accompanied, which uh, was a real real legacy of the um, the doorman at the cinema. <laughs> uh, yes, you, know, yes, yes. you know, show, yeah. show me your ID there, son. <laughs> uh, and uh, and and you know, it's, uh, I was unaware. You know, created these legal issues around who could who could buy a game yeah, in the yeah. shop. Mm. Uh, that MA fifteen plus become mature audience. That it functions like the other categories mm-hmm. as an informational. 
uh, category because it's well, it's completely unenforceable online, absolutely yeah, yeah. unenforceable online, mm. and that uh, the MA fifteen plus eighteen plus area become you know the threshold question around whether the content of a game may warrant its its being restricted to an adult mm. adult um, user base. Um, now, interesting point about parents because. Um, what do you think the problems are with the current classification systems in regards to, um, I guess, informing, being being good for parents to kind of just be informed about making classification decisions? Because um, mm. funny thing happened to me on the weekend. I was in a game, uh, I was in JB Hi-Fi, and I saw a, uh, about who couldn't be more than 10, 11 years old, this little boy who mm. um, went up to his father uh, with a copy of Modern Warfare 2 in his hands mm-hmm. and said, can you get you know, can you get this for me? And the dad just kind of looked at the, the game and said, yeah, okay sure and I was having a bit of a like I wasn't sure mm-hmm. whether to go up to him and say um hi I'm a video games journalist I just don't think that mm-hmm. this game is appropriate for your 10 year old son but I, I, I in the end I chickened out and didn't do it because I thought he was going to slap me in the face and tell me to mind my own business but um mm-hmm. <laughs> again it just comes down to uh, I guess parents just aren't well informed when it comes to mm-hmm. to those classification decisions especially when it comes to games get a couple of couple of observations there one is that uh what we found was a shifting rationale behind classification, that the idea that the role of classification is to protect people from dangerous content, while, while still a view held by you know, a significant mm. number of our submitters, is generally in decline. Uh, what does remain significant is the view that classification has value in, as an informational yeah device mm-hmm. and there there's questions around the age appropriateness of media and the other thing that you find is that people uh, who don't see classification as particularly important for themselves do see it as as relevant to to children so so that that is there uh, we would we would hope that a more uh, age appropriate uh, referencing scale, um, provides a better informational base on which to make those decisions. We've been talking with child psychologists and others who are of the view that uh, you know these are significant thresholds. In particular, the twelve thirteen mm-hmm. age is seen as a as a significant threshold area there, and so hopefully that would that would lead to more informed mm-hmm. choices. Okay. Now, can you run us through some of the other major changes uh, to the proposed classification scheme that affect um, games? So, obviously, we've mm. already talked about MA15 Plus games only being mm. rated by the board. Um, what about some of the other changes in, in regards to, to games in particular? Okay. Well, the proposals around games are connected to a wider move towards a more co-regulatory environment of the sort that has operated in television for about about 20 years and that uh, games are certainly one of the key uh, areas where we're you know, looking to see if that framework can be effectively developed by bodies like the IGEA and, and others. Uh, one of the issues is around questions of harmonisation of international categories and Australian, Australian categories, that there's, there's certainly work to be, to be done there, but you know we're we're aware of the increasing importance of app stores yep. as mm-hmm. um, as places where people are buying mobile games, and we're looking to you know minimise duplication, um, time to market, mm-hmm. etc. While while recognising that there prob- there 
you know, our view would be that on balance there remains a view in Australia that it is a part of uh, sovereignty, if you like, that uh, there are Australian guidelines and they should continue to be relevant to um, how, how decisions are made. We're looking at the board being more engaged with higher level content, if I was to put yep. it that way. Uh, a key, a key um, element of what's proposed is the idea of platform neutrality, and that is the idea that uh, we move from a system that bases classifications on the, the platform to one that bases classifications on the content. So in the area of games, this points to an obvious anomaly that a cons- you know, console-based games yep. that are bought in shops yep. you know, are subject to fairly extensive regulation, mm-hmm. uh, games that are um, purchased and consumed by other means largely sit outside of that, mm-hmm. that regulatory framework. So that's the sort of challenge that we're, we're working with. And if I was to mention a couple of final points, one, one is the development of a robust training and accreditation framework for classifiers that right, yeah. if it's the case that a greater role will be played by industry, there needs to be public confidence in you know, the people making these decisions being you know, reasonably disinterested third parties who have some, you know, some, you know, I showed this to my friend Joe and he said it was fine yeah, yeah. Sort, of, <laughs> sort of thing. It'd be right, yeah, yeah. rightly be public suspicion of that. But some sort of, you know, developing a more robust and integrated training and accreditation framework and over over time to be undertaking further reviews of what uh, general community views are of of content across a wide wide range of areas. It seems that we well we work with what's a sort of forty year old legal fiction uh, that's almost fifty year, fifty years now of uh, what's what's termed the reasonable adult. Now, if you've met her, let me know because I'm not sure, sure that I <laughs> that I have. But uh, this uh, the concept of the reasonable adult is aside from anything else in in many respects a um, a creature of relative media scarcity, mm. and we now are in yep. an age of, of media abundance. And so, you know, the point comes, well, does it matter what other people think of the media that, that I consume? Mm. And that's, you know, that's where we're looking to test that some of those propositions and have some data over time about whether views in Australia are changing and in what direction are they different between you know one state and another for yeah, instance yeah. Well, what's early reaction been like to the proposal so far we do, uh, it's been quite positive in the games media mm-hmm. uh, I, I guess I ask because you know obviously mm. there's you know certain groups um, at in the community um, who um, would you know like the same, I guess, stringent approach towards games classifications because they see games as being, you know, because of its interactivity, mm. um, you know, it, it's something yeah. that, that is of higher impact. Mm. So, you know, there, there would be, you know, groups out there who would want more government oversight uh, over, you know, over the medium. Yeah, to be honest with you, we just haven't received a lot of uh, submissions at this stage. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really hard to gain, say, what that... Um, what the response might be. So I'm only really going from um, media coverage, which has been relatively neutral. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, we do get a bit of uh, bit of Twitter feedback on on mm, um, yeah. how th- how things are proceeding. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's an, it's endemically an area where uh, some people um, view the system as too stringent. Some view it as not mm-hmm. stringent enough. Some are suspicious of. Uh, 
proposals for change. Some mm. some welcome them. They they. In many respects, they're, they're issues that uh, that come come with the territory. But personally, do you think that uh, that games should be singled out and and be more regulated because of their interactivity? Uh, no, no, I don't. And in fact, that's one of the reasons why the uh, the principle of platform neutrality mm-hmm. is yep. being moved forward. That it's you know, there's a lot of uh, judgments you can make between games, cinema, other media. I obviously a very critical set of issues that arise here around uh, the involvement of real people. Um, We're not, for instance, recommending um, removing the refused classification category, Mm -hmm. which there has been some disappointment about, but um, we're of the view that there there is sufficient material out there that is or should be subject to criminal sanction that... Mm -hmm. This this remains remains a concern. That said, you know, it was always apparent that if you looked at you know Mortal Kombat mm. and you looked at the other material that would be in the refused classification category, um, believe me, uh, it's it's very different. Yeah, <laughs> very different. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, what about things like mobile and social games? We're seeing a lot more mobile yeah. uh, games, and, co- and we know that. Uh, Brendan O'Connor, the um, Minister for Home Affairs, has proposed um, to take a, a, a bill to Parliament to um, propose that um, to mobile, temporarily, mo- temporarily yeah, yeah. remove the classification, like the requirement to classify mm. um, mobile games, because there's just too many of them, I guess. Yeah, well, the corollary, the corollary of uh, platform neutrality is that uh, there'd be no in-principle reason why mobile games wouldn't be classified. Mm. And uh, the question of um, volume is, is in a sense, a question of uh, the regulatory art, if you like, uh, that certainly, you know, some some of the online stores on which uh, these are purchased are quite quite regulated okay, so. spaces. Uh, there's there's differing practices mm-hmm. between the between the platforms there, but uh, you know it. it it would be odd to go from a point of saying, well, you know, it, we were wrong to single out, you know, games as compared to film, film or, or yep. TV or whatever, and then to say, but, you know, hey, you know, apps are different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, 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 there's obviously yeah. issues to be worked through there, but, uh, you know, on, on the principle that uh, what we're talking about is a content-based approach mm-hmm. rather than a platform-based approach, there'd be no prima facie reason why apps would be outside of yeah. that. There, there may be different issues for user-generated content, but uh, there'd be, you know, if commercial content delivered across one platform would not, as a matter of principle, be treated differently to commercial content delivered across another. Okay. And how does the proposed classification system um, deal with um, the whole, um, like, I guess if, if there were changes to be made to it in the future, um, how does it deal with that process? Because we know with R18 it's mm-hmm. taken 10 years because of this um, very um, regulated process yeah. where every single state and territory has yeah. to agree unanimously to introduce R18. And so it's, it's just taken such a long time because it's really hard to get, you know, eight people to agree to yeah, something. Yeah. So is that something that you guys have looked at? Most certainly. And it was probably the change that I left out uh, that it is being proposed that this area become fully a Commonwealth responsibility. So it's just simply in the hands of the government to the Commonwealth government to, to just, I guess, be informed by um, by the classification scheme and then make its own decision based on that. One of the interesting legacies of the Constitution of Australia, as it was um, agreed to in 1901, and as you, as you 
be aware the Australian federal system involved the states agreeing to yeah. set up yeah. a Commonwealth government was that they transferred some some powers to the Commonwealth and retained others. Uh, in the the constitution itself, it refers to telegraphy, post, telephony, and like services. Uh, Say like, what? Like, like yeah, yeah. Well, like, 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 like is legally interesting there. But uh, this has always been interpreted in practice as saying that both broadcasting and telecommunications are Commonwealth responsibilities. Yeah. And from the 1990s onwards, that that has been interpreted to also include the internet, mm. computer games. Uh, came to be caught in the area that dealt with films and publications yeah. and, and the customs powers. Now, these, these were powers that the states retained. Now, the states have uh, devolved a lot of those powers away to the Commonwealth, so it's very, it's very rare now to have um, state film censorship boards who yeah. make, their, you yeah. know, make, make some, some yeah. sort of uh, judgment. Uh, but the, but it has meant that you've had under the Classification Act this uh, what's called the cooperative scheme, which, as as you'd be aware, often has not been particularly cooperative. Yeah. Uh, which which gives you this this need to get this consensus among a very large group of people. Now we're we're recommending, and this this part of our uh, recommendations has received uh, some support uh, that this this be. Uh, a Commonwealth responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yep. There is the constitutional scope under which to do that under Section 51 of the Constitution, which relates to trade and commerce powers, as well as uh, Section 122 of the Constitution. It's uh, it's legally doable, mm-hmm. uh, but that's that's a decision that is for others to make. Of course, the role of uh, an entity like the Australian Law Reform Commission as an independent statutory body is that it. Uh, it's empowered to be uh, free, frank, and fearless in its giving yep, out of advice just, to yeah. government. But, but at, at <laughs> the end of the day, yeah, that's yeah. right. At the end of the day, we're not we're not the not, legislators. Yeah, so, sure. so there's obviously a process yep. happens after we deliver our report. Okay. So, um, is there anything else? You yeah. Want to so, so, what are the next steps now, yeah. Terry? Well, uh, submissions uh, can still be put in up to the deadline of the 18th November, and I'd very much encourage listeners to. Mm-hmm. Yes. To give us material, we you know we had a rich you know rich seam of uh, material that we drew upon uh, coming from the issues paper. Uh, there are ongoing uh, consultations taking place over the uh, December January period. A lot of the writing of the uh, the uh, report will be will be done up, and we anticipate having the report publicly available by the end of January. Great, twenty twelve. And then you'll submit that to the to the Commonwealth, it, and then it'll be up to them to. Yeah, it's submitted to the Attorney General. Uh, the Attorney General, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, puts it for well, yeah. puts it, puts yeah, it yeah. forward in the in yeah, the yeah. Parliament, yeah. and uh, then uh, the government of the day works through the the recommendations that. Okay, but but they count in the report, but they're not obligated to take on. All or any of the recommendations? Is uh, they're right? obligated to consider all of the recommendations mm-hmm. and to formally uh, table their responses mm-hmm. to the recommendations. Do you think it's likely that they will enforce pretty much everything that you guys put forward? All right. What I'd, um, what I'd say in relation to that is that it's probably important for your listeners to be aware that uh, the classification review is not the only media-related 
inquiry going on. A particularly important uh, review that's occurring in parallel to this is the Convergence Review that's yep, media, yep. Uh, mm-hmm. considering the wider legislative mm-hmm. framework around you know, convergent, globalised Australian media into the future. So, so there, there are a lot of uh, legislative challenges that will emerge out of, out of that review. And maybe they're not debates that have been as central here, but you know, there's a lot of debate around, say, the future of the Australian content yeah. standards and community standards is an area where the two two reviews intersect. Uh, so, so I think you can anticipate that in 2012 there'll be you know a government response that will be considering these these reviews in tandem and. Uh, developing its proposals in light of that. Okay. And um, I guess finally, um, in regards to R18, we know that uh, the Commonwealth has said that they plan to introduce R18 before the end of the year. Hmm. Um, do you think that that will, that will happen um, in terms of, you know, what you know about um, how the whole process works? Oh, I don't, well, I, I, I don't know any reason why it wouldn't, let's put yeah. it that way. Uh, I, I think it's probably likely that it would. The, uh, the draft guidelines have been out for public consultation mm-hmm. For, for some time, for some time now. Of course, uh, you know, legislation going through two houses of parliament, it can sometimes Excellent. be unpredictable. Well, it yeah. can also be unpredictable mm. what might what might happen happen there. Uh, if um, it, it's probably worth your um, listeners being aware that because this was discussed at the Macquarie University yeah. Forum, that if a uh, if legislation is is passed by the parliament, it would then be a matter of distributors resubmitting games that had been previously uh, refused classification in order to have an R18 mm-hmm. classification yeah. attached to those. It's highly unlikely that there would be retrospective reclassifying of of other of yeah. other games. Yeah. So, so for the most part, this is uh, this is a change that will work into the future. Yeah. Um, you know, it'll have more impact into the future than in the mm. in the present. Well, hasn't Brendan O'Connor said that he would look at certain MA15 titles for reclassification? Yes, well? yes, because um, <laughs> according to Brendan O'Connor, there are some a few MA15 plus games which he thinks should be rated R18. So he has said that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, a minister can can uh, recommend a review yeah, of a, a decision decision of of the board, but it but it's, it would still be a decision of the board. Yeah. Mm. So that's that's important to be aware yeah. of. Okay, well, thank you very much for your time, Terry. It's good to know that there is um, somebody who understands um, gaming and gaming culture behind the ALRC review. So that's always uh, heartening to know. Thank you. Thank you you very much. much.